0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Brands That Podcast. This is Jeremiah, and I am here today with Eric, and we're here for another episode to just talk about podcasting dynamics and marketing dynamics. So in today's episode, we're going to be focusing on podcast ROI. So we're going to be trying to address the question in a number of different ways: how can you measure your return on investment if you're working with an agency or if you're investing in building a podcast, whether you're doing it yourself or you're you know, paying someone to build it for you, how should you think about getting your investment back on it? And there's a lot of ways to think about this. So in this episode, we're going to talk about how to think about ROI when it comes to podcast tours or running your own branded podcast. And to clarify, I just want to say upfront that as we talk about all the different dynamics, I'm going to be talking a lot about understanding the difference between brand marketing and direct marketing and how podcasting plays in. And I don't want anyone to think that what I'm saying is that your podcast will not get you direct results. It actually will. There are lots of ways it could get you direct results. It's just not the full picture. So that's the way we're going to break down all the nuances of that. So with that being said, hello, Eric, and welcome to another episode with me.
1: Thanks, man. I'm excited. This is one of the one of the most important topics to cover obviously because roi is the whole point anybody does anything in business at all and then podcasting has its own black box on the roi attribution listenership driving leads driving sales like all these things are critical and uh, we get a lot of questions about so excited to dive in yeah me too so what
0: i think i'll do here for us is i will set the stage typically you know For those who who follow the podcast regularly, I will typically jump right into questions with Eric and we kind of go back and forth on some things. For this episode, I thought it'd be helpful to set the stage a little bit about this conversation because something I'm really passionate about. So in my role in marketing and from everything that I've learned, I'm a huge advocate and you could disagree. This is my personal thing. I have learned this from minds like Seth Godin and I know other people think, you know, Gary Vee, other people think about marketing this way, but... I think it's really, really helpful to understand the difference between brand marketing and direct marketing or to break marketing out into those two camps. Brand marketing sort of being loosely defined as something that is, you're doing it, it's intentionally not super measurable. The goal anyway is not to measure every little you know, analytic about it. It's done to improve your brand. In other words, to build trust in your company, to raise awareness of your company, to introduce your company to more people. Direct marketing, on the other hand, is designed to be very, very, very measurable. So a good example of this would be, you know, brand marketing would be something like a lot of what Nike does, right? Like Nike doesn't really run pay-per-click ads that got you to buy the latest pair of shoes that you did. It's brand. The brand is the reason why people buy Nikes. Brand marketing is when, you know, I, I watch a lot of English Premier League soccer, is when Mercedes buys to put the little banner below the scoreboard. Like there's no way that they're measuring who's typing in mercedes.com at that moment, right? There's nothing measurable about that. That's brand. They just want to introduce you to their company and associate it with some values of the Premier League. Direct marketing would be a lot more like Google AdWords or, you know, Google ads. I think they, they changed the name of it or Facebook ads or Instagram ads where you're measuring, you know, exactly what it costs you to get in front of a thousand people you know, your cost per thousand impressions, your cost per click, then how much it costs to acquire a customer and everything is broken down by price. And then finally, the broad way to look at this is that ultimately direct channels are always changing. As more people join those channels, typically they become more expensive and eventually they go away and they're replaced by others, right? So like you used to be able to buy A keyword on google for you know maybe 25 cents a click 10 cents a click years and years ago now it's costing five ten dollars depending on you know or more depending on the industry you're in so direct channels are sort of always going away brand is when you invest in people knowing you trusting you and wanting to wanting to come back to you and they're seeking you out so brand is is sort of an investment in people seeking you out And direct marketing is paying to get in front of people and measuring whether or not that's profitable for you. So there's probably a lot of marketers out there that would listen to that explanation and maybe find some differences with it. And that's totally okay. But that's sort of my thoughts on it. So with that being said, we see podcasting as a bit of both. To me, podcasting is a little bit like Instagram. Instagram, I think, is largely a brand play. It's a chance to introduce your company to new people it lets them, maybe they get exposure to your company five, 10, 20 times before they actually visit your website. And they may not click the link in your bio. They might just like think of you or see you on a different channel, but it was their introduction to you through Instagram. However, Instagram also measures direct. You can tell how many clicks went over from your Instagram profile and you can. You, there are some things that you can measure. So it's a bit of both. And I think that's how podcasting is. So Eric, to you, we obviously believe podcasting is deeply powerful. I want to go back to an episode that you did early on with uh, Laura Roder, who's the founder of Meet Edgar. In that episode, she pointed out that in her experience, podcasting for her has been largely unmeasurable, but I think she cited it as one of the most profitable, worthwhile channels that she's invested in for marketing. And she said that it basically just doesn't always show up. The benefits of it aren't immediately clear. If you only look at the numbers, do you agree with that? What are, what are sort of your thoughts on that?
1: I do. And there's a lot of nuance obviously here where we don't want to kind of make it seem like you said earlier that it's black or white, you know, it's only quantifiable or it is not quantifiable at all. It's somewhere in the middle. And it obviously depends on what sort of product you have, what sort of service you have and what your sales funnel is and all these sorts of things. But yeah, to your point with Laura, like Some context there, she had done a hundred plus interviews, possibly 200 plus interviews on other people's shows. So she didn't have her own podcast. She was going out and getting in front of audiences on other shows. And she said she had been creating like micro landing pages or direct sorts of calls to actions for each individual show. So at the end of the show, she would promote a specific URL for listeners to go to, to download a resource just for that show. So she could kind of track it. Number one, that got to be a bit unruly. The more interviews you do, I mean, it's, you're having to like keep tabs on all of these different URLs and landing pages and codes and things that need to be refreshed with, Let's say you do a little refresh on some of the copy or positioning you have with the company or with your marketing site. Now you have 100 landing pages you need to go like refresh that on too. So that was number one, just organization wise, that was a little challenging. But what she mentioned, which I thought was really interesting during that episode, was that while she moved away from that model and actually just simply started directing people to meetEdgar.com, which then made any leads that came through that heard her on a podcast and went to medagger.com, that would go, they just typed it in. So go in their direct bucket in Google Analytics and she wouldn't necessarily know that they came from a podcast interview. So that's the challenge. But what she said, which was an interesting data point, was that she still saw podcasting as the number one channel for people to become aware of meet Edgar out of all of the channels they were doing. That's right. And she got that from some intuitive feedback just out in the world. So anytime she would talk to somebody at a conference or anywhere, she would meet somebody, she would find out that the person heard about meet Edgar from an interview she did on some show. So she got dozens and dozens and hundreds of pieces of micro feedback like this. And then also when they would do surveys, and things like that surveying their audience periodically. Hey, where'd you hear about us? Like, when did you first come across the brand? More often or higher than any other category of marketing was podcast interviews. Hmm. And so she knew it was working, but it wasn't showing up in the analytics. And, and so that is where it's obviously challenging. Like, you know, when you think about, are we going to go all in on a channel that we we truly feel like we're in the dark on? on the results here and I'll give a, a couple pieces of data here that are kind of interesting. Number one is if you are in a position where you are selling services or selling a SaaS product or selling anything that requires a call with a prospect, that is the easiest way to track this is if you have a business model where that is the case, you have to have a human to human conversation with somebody before they sign up. Right? you're very likely on that call asking where they hurt. I mean, they they inbounded to you. They filled out your form. They filled out a drift bot or what have you. And you got on a call with them and you say, hey, where'd you hear about us? And that is your opportunity to get that feedback. Now, if you are tracking that and collecting and aggregating all of that somewhere for the sales team is bubbling that up into some quantifiable metric, that's great. Hopefully you're doing that. Maybe you're not though. And maybe it's just kind of, feedback each whoever's on the call with them is hearing. And right. And it's still as hard to track in that case, but you're at least getting to know that the opportunity that's on the other end of the line with you, that person heard about you directly out of their mouth. You're hearing them say they heard about you from the podcast. The other thing I'll mention is if you're a business model where it's like a, a direct to consumer brand or it's a self-serve SaaS model where you don't need to get on a call with somebody yeah. somebody can just sign up right away you likely have like codes or other incentives you know free trials or, or things like that and again this is where laura was saying that these these are kind of faulty ways to prove attribution because most people are listening to this when they are doing something else that is preventing them from being in front of a screen right? To remember the code, to remember the URL, they're walking their dog, they're doing the dishes, they're at the gym, they're driving. I mean, that is... They're just not interested in buying even right now. Like, they're just exploring. Yeah, they may not even be interested. They're just listening. And so, directing them to a specific URL, if the incentive is high enough, I mean, you will will definitely get some people to click through and and go back to the show notes and grab the link and, and do that. But I've talked with brands who have spent millions of dollars on podcast ads. And and we'll go into this more on a future episode. And what they did is they reverse engineered what they believe to be the true true marker of attribution on some of these episodes via codes or via specific URLs. And they actually gave a 30% bump to whatever number they saw come through that Hmm. specific code or URL. Just to catch the things that sort of weren't showing up in the numbers. Yep. And they came up with that 30% from not just like, you know, throwing a number at a wall, but actually reverse engineering, like traffic increases around times that episodes dropped and just reverse engineering to get to a number that they felt like was actually painting a more accurate picture. And so if you just look at the number by itself, you may miss out on 30, 40, 50% of the actual impact that that podcast had if you don't take in, into account all those that are just typing in your your homepage URL because that's all they remembered. Totally, totally. I mean, it's. I think it's
0: always a good thing for marketers to test their own behavior because a lot of times like, In marketing, we talk about things that we read in articles, we catch headlines, like we have this, like we act like things are a certain way for our industry and our business. But then like, as customers of brands ourselves, we don't behave that way. And I've noticed that with myself, like as I, you know, time to time, try to step outside myself and kind of look at my behavior as a customer, as someone who, like what makes me like certain things and dislike certain things or engage with certain products. I know that... There have been a a number of times when I've heard about a product that I don't necessarily want to buy, but maybe I've heard about it through a podcast and I just go directly there. Like I have no, I mean, I really have no special love or desire. I don't know if it's laziness or what, like why I don't want to type the forward slash with the show's name, (laughs) but it's just like you know, I feel, I guess I always feel like the show's doing fine enough on its own and I just want to explore. And the thing is, that's going to show up as direct and their analytics, but I really heard about them. And I think one thing that was interesting about Laura, when I listened to that episode was, I think she said that they never ran, like, I might be getting this wrong, but I think it was that they had never run TV ads, but when she would, which I think was really smart. Go through and like just call up customers, which is kind of a lost yeah. art. Like we rely so much on analytics. Like just ask your customers how they found you, and people would say things like "We saw you on like a bus ad" or "Like we saw you on a television commercial." It's like we've never run any of those things, so it like we attributed it to the podcast. Like it like it may have been that. It may have been social. So I think that that idea is the idea that podcasts don't show up. I know there's companies working on solutions to improve analytics, to improve ROI, but my sense of things from a marketing perspective, I'll go into this more in a bit, but I think we become, and I understand I have sympathy for the, for like CMOs and heads of marketing that whose feet are really held to the fire. Like they can't spend on this project unless they can prove that it made more than it costs or something like that. I think that would make podcasting pretty challenging. But if you're a head of marketing or if your founder believes in brand and believes that like someday it's just going to be more importantly that like inexplicably in five years, people search you out versus depending on like a paid channel, then I think podcasting's actually like up there among the best channels, you know, that you could be on. I wanted to ask you. I know of one. Can you share any examples off the top of your head where a client that you've worked with has reported some good result but that like their analytics or data wouldn't
1: have shown them? Totally. And one thing too, I think it was I think it was interesting you said looking at your own behavior cuz I I look at mine too and I don't know if it's cuz I'm so plugged into what is happening when people are promoting specific codes or URLs and things like that but like I will frequently do exactly what you did, which is know the code exists, know the URL exists, but I will still just go to the homepage and mainly because, and I will actually forego a 10% discount or a 20% discount simply because I don't want to be on like their marketing list or something like that. Hmm. And like whatever sort of funnel they're going to put me in and, and yeah, I could unsubscribe or whatever, but I just don't want to do the whole like dog and pony show that like, yeah. Might come from that. And so that's my behavior as well. I have used these codes a couple of times, but for the most part, I don't either. But yeah, a couple examples. So again, a lot of this is going to be informal data coming at you and seeing how you can capture that in a way that makes sense, whether through surveys, whether through direct conversations with people, somewhat on your analytics, yes. But we actually had a client who had a sales team and, and he got word back from the sales team that a prospect had listened while they were driving to an interview that our client had done on someone else's show that we we helped get him on. And the prospect was like so excited about what he learned about our client's methodology for solving a problem that they had and also the fact that they had a tool and a product that could solve it as well that they like pulled over at like a rest stop or something like that. And literally got on a sales call on the highway. That's amazing. Like immediately, like they had to, they were so struck that they had to act on it immediately. And I think that that, that's obviously what you want. I mean, that's the ideal scenario where like, it just struck a chord so hard that they had to act immediately. I, I don't know if that's always going to be the case. And that's why you want, you know, your interview or your content that you're sharing to be memorable and to wherever you're guiding people to be memorable. So not guiding people to 10 different things at the end of every interview. Ideally, it's like one or two or possibly three things if it makes sense. But a lot of times we'll hear people say, yeah, do this and do this and do this. And then also go here and, and do this. And like, it's just too many things for someone to remember who's driving. Yeah. And so this was a case where it was memorable enough and impactful enough for someone to, to literally stop on the highway and call and get in a sales conversation. The other one, and I thought this was super interesting, is we had another client, same thing, we're, we're helping them get interviewed on podcasts. And they've done a lot. And it's generated a, a huge amount of inbound, both in a, a quantity of leads, but also in a like dollar value of those leads. They have a very high average lifetime value. And they've said it's their number one channel. Again, this is another case where it's the number one channel out of all, their entire marketing mix that is bringing in qualified leads. But what I thought was super interesting, and they know that because they have to get on calls. So they, they get that feedback on these calls so they're asking they're asking, asking, they're asking them they're asking right like so still this isn't showing up in like any analytics they have so exactly up. but the one thing I thought was interesting about this and and that will be the case a lot of times is like I said you'll just ask and you'll get that information but what was interesting on this was the feedback we got from our client was a lot of times the prospects are saying I don't know what podcast I heard you on I just remember that I heard you on a podcast like it wasn't hmm. It wasn't one particular interview or one particular show. It was just the memory of them doing a podcast and maybe actually listening to a few of their interviews, you know, because they one of our strategies is to go on as many shows as possible that prospects or your audience are listening to and a lot of times the audience is because they're interested in a particular topic they're listening to multiple different shows in that particular right. vertical right and so our goal is to get you on all of those or for you to get yourself on all of those so that you can get as many touch points as possible with folks who are kind of cross-pollinating across those different shows so you, your name shows up multiple times and that was a case where like that concept actually was highlighted to me as as working because they couldn't it wasn't like, oh, we had this home run interview and that brought in like all these leads. It was the actual overall strategy itself, yeah, that was working and getting that feedback that way.
0: Man, there as I've gone longer in my career, like I feel the overall shift for me and the way I view marketing is that brand is is almost like everything to me. And that's why like I'm very biased on this point, right? Like there will be other people that are like, "No, like 100% you know, let's focus on squeezing all the analytics and like measurement out of podcast. And like, I think that's great. If you can find better ways to measure podcasts, do it. If there's analytics or software that will let you see more. And as people develop more data, that's great. And I think that probably will happen. The biggest thing that I think can't be understated though, is that it's the difference of what we're hearing here is people aren't even always able to articulate. It's like, they may, they may have heard you on five different interviews. They may have heard you once on their favorite show They may have listened to your show for a while before they came over to check out. Like it could take people seven episodes where at the end of every episode, you're like, hey, and by the way, if you need this problem solved, we made a product that solves it. You know, it may take the seventh episode for them. There's some number out there. I don't know it off the top of my head of like it takes X amount of times to engage with something, you know, before it like really sticks or before you'll go over and check it out. And if podcasting happens to be number six through eight out of the 10 that you need, It's never going to sort of get the credit that it's due if all you're doing is being a really, really, really like analytics driven marketer. And I want to give a couple examples here from my perspective. We've been talking a lot about B2B, but in the B2C world, I think this is even more important, actually. Like I think brand is even more important there because not only are you going to run the risk of like if all you ever lean on is these purely direct results, right? Like you're only going to run like Instagram ads or only going to run whatever, I'm not against running those in addition to things like podcasting, whatever. But if all you do is like live there, then as bigger and bigger brands flood the space, they're all auction-based. So the price goes up. And pretty soon in a couple of years, like you're getting outbid. It's not really profitable. And you're waiting till the next thing comes along that you can... And the moment the money stops, so the moment that ad platform stops your inbound stop, like people knowing you stop because people don't know you. You've been paying to like introduce them versus working on building your brand where they're actually typing. It's like, you know, I used to do a lot of work in SEO and it's like the difference of like trying to rank for keywords, which I think is super powerful and has really high ROI. But like every day I would rather be the name that they type in to find because I'm going to show up number one for that every time. So a couple examples I had here is you know, watching our own behavior is, I don't know if Eric, if you've ever heard of the H3H3 podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's okay. Okay. So I listen to it for entertainment value now. And again, if there's like an interesting guest, right. So recently they had on the Papa John (laughs) and this was like a big thing. Like it made headlines for a lot of reasons. But the crazy thing is like, I found this fascinating. I'll watch my own behavior. My wife and I eat like, you know, we try to eat like organic, like basic, like healthy foods, like, you know, I mean, we've not ordered pizza. I've not had Papa John's in probably, I don't know, 15 years since I was last at my grandparents and they ordered it for us or something. And like, we would never order it now ever. And like, if we were going to order fast food pizza, it would be from any other place. Like they literally would have been bottom of the rank. And like literally by the end of that episode, I was like, man, I kind of want to give Papa John's (laughs) a try now. Like he just talked for like 30 minutes about like the quality control that goes in and how like dedicated he is to the perfect pie. Like- And he named the ingredients companies that like they source from. And I'm like, I don't even know if those are good ingredients, but the fact that he cares, like makes me think he cares. So (laughs) it was like, I was already like ready to order a Papa John's pizza by the, you know, by the end of the episode. So I think in the second example I had was, let me, yeah, I'll go. I want to, I want, I want to go back. I could just go on rant on this forever. But uh, I think increasingly for B2C brands as voice increases in popularity, And voice ordering increases and services like Amazon Basics begin to add to their line, right? Like years ago, Amazon Basics maybe only had a couple things you could order that were Amazon brand. And now it's super easy for them to expand their line, to look at the data of like, my wife and I just bought a dog crate off Amazon Basics that mirrored the name brand one. And so basically, I mean, other people have said this as well, that essentially at some point when voice devices become as common as televisions became... And you say, order me underwear or order me a dog crate or order me whatever. It's either going to be either you're going to get the Google brand one or the Amazon basics brand of that. And they're going to take the market share or you're going to get the brand that paid a lot of money to like be the ad one that got sent to you or you there's a third option, which is you're the brand that you asked for that. Right. So it's like if I just say, Alexa, order me underwear then I'm probably going to get Amazon Basics underwear. But if I say, Alexa, order me Fruit of the Loom underwear, then I'm going to get Fruit of the Loom, right? So like, that's another reason why I think for B2C brands, it's so important is it's crucial to invest in being the brand. Like if you're, my wife just ordered a, we're adopting a baby this year and she ordered a a ring sling from a company she found on Instagram. She's probably watched that company on Instagram for a year. Like literally just looking at their posts, getting introduced to the brand. I think it's called Wild Bird. It's like they just make nice ring slings. There's a lot of cheaper ring slings on Amazon that we could have been sent and gone with. But she bought direct from them because she got introduced through Instagram, learned their story, you know, began to build trust in them, love their product. They just did a great job with branding and she went directly there. It wasn't a click over attribution from Instagram or anything like that. So all that's my sort of, I'll get off my sub box now. But for me, it's super crucial that companies think about that, that like building brand. Ultimately, all these like direct sources are going to get more expensive or go away. And the the only really long lasting thing is to be the company that people sort of search out. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that,
1: Eric, but. Yeah. And like one thing about this is going the brand route actually helps with some of the metrics that that you're focused on. So like, obviously direct is very metrics focused and brand typically is not. But thinking about this from a brand standpoint, like studies have been shown increases actually your LTV and decreases your, your acquisition cost because you're holding attention longer than you would otherwise when it is just like a direct kind of offer that happens to catch someone's attention at that point in time and then they're moving on to the next thing versus someone doing business with you is saying something about the type of person that they are and when they feel that emotional connection which is what brand is supposed you know obviously attempting to do by helping people like solve their problems more or feel a part of a community or do things that are not measurable, right? You're actually getting to hold their attention and, and keep them in your world, not in like a sleazy way, but in like an authentic way longer. And that helps your, your lifetime value go up. So if, if you are a, a D2C brand or your B2B brand, obviously you want a customer to stay with you or be a repeat customer as long and as often as possible and brand helps you do that. So that helps your your overall metrics and same with customer acquisition costs. If you have brand that is possibly supplemented with direct, you now have assets and resources that you don't have to give as many discounts or coupons or things that you would have to do otherwise to get someone to buy where you've actually got some resources that you've built once through content or through whatever sort of like brand efforts you've done. And you can use in a way to reduce the amount you need to spend to acquire a customer. Hmm. Cause like, again, we're not saying brand is better than direct or direct is better than brand. Like these things play together in a very sort of like synergistic way, even though I hate that word, but for podcasting, obviously it's a little bit of both, but What Jeremiah and I are saying is like brand ultimately in the long run, like brand is the thing that you're, you're likely going to win on. You can win in the short term on direct, but it just depends on what your goals are. Like, are you needing to see results from this in two, three months? And like, that's the nature by which you are being evaluated on the success of your role or your company. If that's the case, we'd likely caution you against going down the, the podcasting route. Yeah and focus more on direct channels but yeah
0: i was going to say yeah at least like look at tours or something like look at because i know that's a conversation you have a lot as brands come they like they want to start a show but they're like but we in order for this project to be deemed successful we need to be able to like measure x y and z in 3 months and it's like well that's like saying my youtube channel needs to produce sales in like this many months like you don't just get to build it and These people aren't just going to flood it like this takes work. You have to promote it as much as you do your website and market it. So, yeah, I think, you know, just to hit that one more time, hit on that point one more time is like, you're right. It's not posturing one against another, but I think it's that if you don't understand that brand marketing exists and that it's largely designed to be unmeasurable yet powerful, Or if you're someone who only thinks that things that are measurable are powerful, you're going to miss out on a lot of the value of podcasting. Or you might avoid it as a channel because it's unmeasurable when it could really be yielding you a lot of long-term results. And some of that is dictated maybe by your company, maybe your brand, maybe the company you work for, if it's a bigger company, you know, if they're holding your feet to the fire for results, you know, it is what it is. And and that's kind of a mistake on them
1: then. Well, brand marketing is like how marketing started, right? Like, I mean, yeah there was no clicks. There was no like pure attribution in like the Mad Men days, you know, where like you have a billboard or you have a newspaper ad or you have like a TV ad spot and you just hope that it works. Like you hope that enough people will go out and buy your detergent after that. But like you maybe can see in a few months, like The uptick in sales, but if they were doing like five, six, 10 different marketing campaigns that were all basically brand marketing back then, it was probably hard for them to really truly know which one was working the best or not. And, and I think, I don't know, I, I think now it's like, since we have the tools for in some of these channels to be able to see the exact quantitative numbers on certain things and the ratios and percentages, which are all super important I think we lose a little bit of the value of like how marketing actually started. And I
0: think we lose some of the art and some of the ability to try new things and do things that are different and take like being only data driven leads to like copycat marketing and everyone doing the same thing. And it's like, you know, I I don't know. I find the most refreshing things are just are just different. You know, it, it would be like going back to my example. And I mean, maybe they're doing this. I honestly haven't looked into this. But, it, you know, it'd be like, let's say Wildbird, Bird, the sling company, is like concerned that Amazon Basics is moving in and is like producing these because these are really popular. Like they could start a podcast maybe around like tips for new parents. And that's it. Like it's not about their rings. Like you can't talk about slings. It's like it's just advice for new parents. And, you know, they bring in all these experts or all these like popular social media parents and like whatever, like whatever they want to spin it to be. And if it's a show that people are listening to who are either about to become new parents or have their second or third child, like their brand's getting in front of them and it will be the one that they go to over Amazon basics. So like the podcast solely on like analytics is never going to show that value that I just articulated, even though that play alone could save them from being erased by Amazon. So I just think like, you know, we need to be careful. I think it's a lot of value to be data-driven. There's a lot of cool things you can see. And I know with brand, there are some things that are measurable. Like you might know more about this, Eric, but I know there are studies they do for bigger brands. Like what is your impression of the company after like an ad will run? Or like, what is your like, I don't know if they're like desire, like favorability or whatever they're measuring in that. But it's basically like, I think it's like more positive sentiment about the company after the ad runs. So even that makes me think like even B2B, Even if nobody organically finds your show, but you have a thousand customers, could you put out a rating of like, how likely are you to to refer us to a friend before and then release like five to 10 episodes, just like adding value to their life. And then six months later, run that again and see if it's any different. You know what I mean? And like even that, because that's the biggest thing about brand is like, it's not necessarily just designed to drive up sales. Maybe all it's doing, like you said, is increasing retention or like, I don't know, like we can't measure it. We're just more likely to refer you to a friend now. And it's like, you're never going to see the podcast was the reason to do that, but it was, you know,
1: I have a really good example of this with a client of ours that we're we're producing a podcast for, and it was one of his interviews. And he he interviewed uh, the founder of an ice cream company, it's actually based here in Columbus. Really big, really amazing ice cream company, specialty, awesome brand. And she was talking about what you were just mentioning made me think about this. She was talking about how they come up with all these crazy flavors. And like most people, especially new people to come to the store, don't order them. But they have these diehard people in their community who know more about the brand than people. People even who work there, like they just, they love the company. They love the ice cream so much. And those are the people who order these crazy flavors, but what they do and why it's kind of important, what she decided was to keep doing that is because she was building up goodwill with those folks and keeping them in the brand's corner because they are essentially tour guides and they're bringing in 10 people. They're bringing in 20 people and they're like, "Oh, you got to try this and you got to try this." And they're they're essentially oh, wow. like tour guides. And you wouldn't see it if you just looked at sales. You would see, "Okay, all of these like crazy off the wall flavors that we're producing like we should definitely be cutting those and focused on our best sellers." But what you wouldn't see in that is that the tour guides are the ones ordering those. They're not doing it in crazy volume, but they're bringing in 20 other people who are ordering the main flavors because they don't want to try the crazy ones. They want to try like what the brand is known for and the tried and true ones. And you mentioned like the referral thing or like, you know, recommending to a friend and things like that. Like sometimes these things are just really in between the lines that you you wouldn't necessarily see at face value. And, And that was an example of that.
0: Or you've, yeah, I think it's like they're either in between the lines or they need to be sort of teased out by going directly to the customers and asking them, or they need to be measured in a different way. And I think my only thing, my big thing on this episode, you know, this episode is near and dear to my heart as a marketer because I've become so passionate about brand marketing and so, you know, I so believe in the power of podcasting to build brand almost unlike any other channel. I think there are very, very few other channels that let customers feel like they know the company. Like they actually like know the company and the founder. Like I said, I literally that interview I listened to silly as of an example as it is with, with the founder of Papa John's discussing all this like recent controversy and whatever. Like I feel like I know that brand better like, I feel like I know what they're like. They, I read, I don't know how many times I read on that box. My, my grandparents would order this first and we'd go over and it was always Papa John's and it was always like better, I don't even know the tagline, better ingredients, better pizza, something like that. So I guess that worked on me, the, the tagline <laughs> did. But it's like better ingredients. But like now looking back, I'm like, that was just a market. That's marketing BS. That's just a tagline. Don't believe it. But as he shared the story of how they started in a broom closet and grew and where they sourced these ingredients from and like the... 10 point grading scale they give to pizzas to know whether or not they're good. Like all these things, it made me start to more believe that tagline, you know, that was on all the pizza boxes. So I just think there are very few methods like this. And my biggest heart in this episode is to talk to other marketers out there and say, like, please don't just, whether you're producing it in-house or you're producing a show through an agency, or you're going to go on some podcasts as a guest Number 1, don't measure it the same way you would measure other inbound. Like you just you can't and don't expect it to. It's a different breed. You can try and you can get some insights, but you've got to measure it in the way it's meant to be measured and it's got to be a little bit more more grassroots or so you've got to go to customers and ask. And number 2, like start to invest in your brand now. And I think podcasting is one of the best ways to do that. I think it's it's never too late to start investing and in building your brand and being the company that people want to seek out. And I think podcasting is a great way to do that. So.
1: Yeah. Well, we did another episode too, on like making the most out of your podcast mm. and you know, because I definitely don't want to scare people in the sense that like, well, this is great. This all makes sense, but like still how long is this going to sure. take? Or like ultimately like we got to see ROI at some point and we are super ROI focused like with our methodologies and and what we've seen work and, and things like that. So go check out our episode on making the most out of your podcast. We talk a lot about how to actually ROI a podcast in an order magnitude higher than probably you are even thinking right off the bat within your first 10 episodes. For example, on the way to building the brand, and the listenership and all the things that we've kind of talked about that over the long term is, is how you're going to win. There are very short term ways to do this too, but it's not in the same sense of like, it's more proactive and it's less like, you know, hoping that people just come to you in the direct sort of attribution model. So I want to mention that I thought that was a good episode we did. And and I think people would get a lot of that one as well.
0: Yeah, 100%. And all these things play into each other. That's why like some of these topics keep overlapping for us, but I think ultimately it seems to me that it depends on what the brand's starting it for. You know, you have like, you have some brands that start a podcast with what seems to be little to no intention of ever, of really measuring, you know, measuring clicks over to their product. Like Basecamp comes to mind, right? Huge fans of what Jason Fried's doing and DHH and all those guys, Andy in, in the marketing department there, as head of marketing there. And, you know, with rework, it's like, to me, that's just something that literally they have a lot to say and they want to say it like they are thought leaders. They want to champion some of their beliefs and some of their causes. And rework is an outlet for that. That's it. End of story. It has probably has benefits for Basecamp as a product above and beyond what they're tracking or measuring. But that's not the point. Right. So like for them, the measurement's going to be like are we getting out our thoughts and sharing what we want to share? And the answer is yes, it's letting them do what they want to do for other companies. It's just to sort of flex their expertise. It's like, you know, maybe there's a marketing agency it's doing just fine with sales. They're like not hurting for the numbers and the only thing they want to do is just prove that they're the best. It's like they're not even going to look at their podcast to drive inbound. They just want to like be everywhere and display that they're the best and they work with the best clients. So for them, they're going to measure it in a different way. And then finally, you know, maybe for some brands it is to drive direct sales and they're finding a way to measure that. So I think that also is an important thing to say is like you really have to ask why are we starting this? You know, and podcasting is amazing in, in that it allows a lot of a lot of different outlets for you so
1: yeah yeah it's so true though. i mean there's so many different ways to look at it i actually had a call with someone yesterday who's thinking about working with us and it was one of the rare times where this particular person was not looking for leads for the business like he said we are the number one company in our industry that in what we do and If we didn't do another thing for marketing, we would be fine. But what he said was, which I thought was really interesting and insightful, is we want it to stay that way. Hmm. And like in order for that to happen, you have to continue innovating on at some point, like no matter what channel, I mean, in my opinion, for the most part, there's likely a point of diminishing returns like Instagram, for example random side note, my wife has built an entire business off of Instagram. And we like, we can already see like organic reach on that is starting to diminish. And like mm. at some point, it's going to be like Facebook where like 5% of your audience actually sees the thing that you're writing on the platform. And so anyway, I thought it was really insightful as like, to your point of a marketing agency that has plenty of leads and and no issue with sales, maybe one of the ways to maintain that is to do these sorts of creative things that are setting you up for the long run and not sort of getting in a position where one day you wake up and and the pipeline has dried up and you're not exactly sure why. And you're starting from ground zero at that point. So totally. And I mean that, you know, like one of the things
0: you'll hear a lot in marketing is you'll hear these thought leaders in marketing. I mean, Seth Godin's one. There are others who say like, don't lean on these with these platforms, you're sharecropping, like you don't own them. They can change the rules on you at any time, you know, right. Facebook did it and then Instagram and and it will, it will happen with TikTok. It will happen with LinkedIn. Once they hit a certain point, they can diminish organic return and make you pay to get in front of people. So up until recently, the big encouragement for companies has been start a newsletter, like build an email list because that's an audience that you can quote unquote, like own, obviously opt in and all of that. But it's an audience that you own. No one can control. You get to go direct to their inbox and share your message with them and build up your audience that way. And podcasting is that, you know what I mean? That it's way more akin to building a newsletter because no one can shrink. There's not nearly as much diminishing returns with podcasting. There just isn't because there's not a company that's that owns the platform, that's vested, it's much more like a newsletter. It's like, if you can get them to subscribe, then you quote unquote own them and they're your audience and you can talk directly to them. Whereas if you're depending on Instagram to do that right now or LinkedIn to do that right now, eventually they're going to charge you more and more and more to do that and it's going to become harder.
1: I would argue that podcasting is actually an even more kind of direct communication method than newsletter. Newsletter is definitely better than you know, being dependent on some of these channels. But even with newsletter, you're still going through a gatekeeper as much as people might not see it that way. Google is determining what tab to put you in. Mm. Like, are you going in the promotions tab? Are you going in the spam tab? Like obviously depends on the integrity of your domain and like all these technical factors as well as like, what sorts of material are you emailing? And is it actually stuff that people want to see? Of course, that's a whole separate conversation. Sure, but like, sure. but let's just say you're sending stuff that people have opted in for and you're sending quality stuff that they genuinely want to see. They're, it is safe to assume that a, a large percentage of them are still not actually getting the thing that they asked for because of some sort of filter that right. Gmail or yahoo or or whatever is like sending it through and even speaking about Basecamp, they're building an entire email product right now that they just teased called hey Hey hey.com i'm on the waiting list for it i'm sure you are too jeremiah but (laughs) but like their assertion is the same thing like email is just getting really noisy and like we're not actually getting the things sent to us that we want to get sent and we're getting things sent to us that we don't want to get and with podcasting If someone has subscribed to your show or they are downloading an episode, they're seeking that out. Like they are, there's no other gatekeeper that's preventing them from getting the thing that they want to get. And it's less noisy in the sense that they aren't going to be getting things that they don't want to get because you have to hit play on something. Like you can't, you're not just going to sit there and have something auto playing that you don't want to hear right so anyway i wanted to make that little distinction too and like i also don't want to seem like overly like podcast is the best channel for any sort of situation ever like we don't believe that we think it is obviously highly effective for all the reasons we mentioned but video is effective newsletters effective social is sure. effective but like you know it's just how you think about this from a fundamental level and what sort of what sort of business you want to build and over what sort of length of time? Like, are you thinking medium-term, long-term, short-term? Like, and hopefully we could spark a little bit of ideas here for you with the ROI. I mean, I'm sure, I think as per usual, like you and I could go on forever about these things, but hopefully this was valuable.
0: Yeah, I hope so too. I think, you know, like you said, there's a lot of channels. I think ultimately marketing is as simple as asking, where is our audience hanging out And how can we be there in a way that brings value to them and introduces them to our brand? How can we let them know that we exist and then let them trust us? So podcasting is just a major channel to make that happen, but there
1: are others. Anyway, on that point, I'm not going to derail us again, but I will say, if you started a YouTube channel 10 years ago, a marketing YouTube channel, and you were consistent with it, it would be significantly easier to have built an audience than If you were to start a marketing YouTube channel today. Yeah. And for ROI, I think it's important to note that right now is still extremely, extremely open waters on topics and categories and content and concepts of podcasts to exist that do not exist yet. Yeah. And so just by nature of being first or quick or quicker, than your competitors or other people who could create a show that are in a similar industry, you can get the benefits of just being one of the few shows that exist when listeners are kind of seeking out possibly content in that area. And I just want to mention that because there's, there's 35 million YouTube channels and there's less than a million podcasts. And I'm very confident that at some point there's going to be 35 million podcasts. And so starting sooner rather than later just gives you kind of like the wind at your back a little bit more than the opposite. Yeah. Well said. So hopefully this
0: has been helpful for you. We hope it has added value to you and, if there's something that we didn't touch on that you want us to pick up in another episode, if there is a brand that is doing podcasting especially well that you want to get insights from and learn how they're doing, if you'd love to hear us interview a certain you know founder or CMO or something, go to brandsthatpodcast.com forward slash hi and let us know. We would love if you would review the podcast. Let us know you know how we're doing or go to LinkedIn and share it with a friend who might benefit if you know someone that might benefit from this. so. Thank you, as always, Eric, and we'll talk to you guys later. Later.